You can. You All can. right. Okay. I would like to welcome everyone again. Uh, this is um, Power of I Am. Uh, the program is put together to be able to deal with, um, to talk about issues that present onto our wellness. And this evening, um, I have with me um, a pastor, a mentor that I've known for so many years. In fact, to be precise, I've known him now for um, about 28 years. Yes. I've known him now for about 28 years. He's been, uh, he's been part of my life for a very long time now. And uh, God has used him tremendously to do to help me in my life journey and help me to get to where I am today. So a lot of things that uh, is going to be sharing today are things that I've learned through him, things that have been taught, things that have been trained, you know, and um, there are things that are practical and things that we can benefit from. I have with me this evening, Pastor Ode Andre Yibo. He's a director of Epinosia Ministries. Is uh, a director of Ezra Institute of Doctrine, Discipleship and Direction. Is uh, a teacher of the word. Is a lover of the word. Is an addict to God's word, and is believes so much in the sufficiency of scriptures for life issues. That no matter what it is that you are facing in life, whatever the scripture says gives you the life solution. And if you can just anchor your life on those words, you will get result. He's a writer, he's a poet, he's an husband, the father, and grandfather. So you're welcome this evening, Sam. Thank uh, you. Yeah. Uh, the program this evening is tied to the power of I am. Yes. And um, yeah, it's really to talk about, you know, life. We all go through different life situations, life challenges. And sometimes things knocks us off. You know, when people are injured physically, it's easy to see, you know, with proper medical care. It's easy, it's easy to see the injury and know the kind of treatment to apply. Maybe you go for x-ray. There are other things you can put in place to help you to know the depth of injury. But sometimes life knocks us off on the inside. And because they are internal injury, sometimes it's difficult to know the depth of the damage that we incur. A classical mm -hmm. example is a man called Mephibosheth in the Bible that um, lost his father and grandfather on the same day. Mm -hmm. In the process of carrying him to escape, he died and he, he died. And um, um, he was taking, I forgot the name of the place he was taken to, and um, yeah, let me tell you, I've forgotten the place he was taken to, and um, by the time the king said for him, one of the things he called himself, he called himself a dead dog. This is uh, somebody that is a prince, was born a prince, because his father was, uh, yeah, his father Jonathan was uh, Saul's son, but life has so much crippled him on the inside that he saw himself as a dead dog. And yeah, so, and that's what happens to live issues. Sometimes when live issues knocks us on the inside, 
it's like it, it it breaks certain things inside of us so the question now is how do we come out of this hole how do we come out of this hole when our internal world is broken through life circumstances some people their own is from childhood maybe traumatic events happen in their life like in the case of Mephibosheth it happened when he was young before he was 10 years old so there are some of us and some people out there maybe in your young age maybe you were raped or your parents were separated or you had an accident maybe some life major life issues happen and something broke on your inside sometimes maybe when we get older something happens so the question is how do we deal with internal brokenness from god's perspective i know there is a place for professionals where sometimes you have to seek for professional help but when it comes to god's word god's word says he healed the broken hearted and he binds up their wound but how does he do it and that's what we want to consider tonight that how do we journey out of brokenness how do we journey when life knocks us off and things are broken inside of us that affect our self-confidence our self-identity and we have no sense of bearing as to why we are here where do we start from sir over to you <laughs> all right that's a big that's a big question isn't it um our subject is the power of i am all right and you know like we discussed i think look what dimension we're looking at this for because there's i am as the name of god are you hearing me yes yes hear me? Oh, yeah yes i am as the name of god so that's you capitalize that uh, uppercase i a m i am the name of god this is the name god's revelation to moses tell them i am sent you based that then there's also the power of i am in terms of now this is lowercase now this is i i the person right that talks now about my own identity that is that's the other aspect so there's the power of i am which is about the power of god in your life and situation and there's a power of i am which is about the power of the identification or the declaration of your identity. Now, these are the two. I was going to look at those two things. I think it's important we we're looking at. Now, the other thing also is that, you know, this kind of situation, because we're having, if, if we're doing this in a church, right? We're doing it in a church for just Christian folk and all of that, I guess we have a different sort of answer. But because it's open to everybody, everybody is in need of, uh, um, um, emotional healing, psychological healing, whatever it is. We're going to have to look at it in three perspectives, in three ways. We're going to look at it from the, from the spiritual perspective. So Christian spiritual perspective. You've got to say, the first answer to that question, how do I deal with this brokenness and all that? First answer is, you must be born again. You must be born again. And all that follows from that. Because what do we say? The formulation is, when you give your life to Lord Jesus Christ, your spirit is saved. Your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, all of that are being saved, and then your body will be saved at the resurrection. Okay, that's the general formulation. So when it comes to the soul now, so remember, you're born again, you your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, you're still the soul. Now when it says your soul is being saved, that's where you have your emotions and your feelings and your sentiments and your intellect and all of that. These are all those broken places. When it says it's being saved, that's how the process of renewing your mind with the scriptures. Be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. And you're now renewing your mind with the scriptures in line with the word of God. Now, here's where the word of God comes from. Now, there, 
the power of I am there is the power of the word of God, the power of what God says uh, about you. This is the power of what God says about you from the scriptures. And as someone that God says about you, that speaks about your healing and your strength and your health and your well-being and your soul prosperity. I mean, there are thousands and thousands. Even basically, there are over seven thousand prophetic promises in the scriptures. Each one of them has got to do with your well-being, your spiritual well-being, your emotional well-being, your physical well-being, your material well-being, your, your relational well-being. Every aspect of your well-being is encompassed in, in, in those scriptures. Now. That's the one way of looking at it. And the second one of course, is um, the metaphysical. Now, this is not now strictly or solely Christian. This is the metaphysical. Now, there's a book I, I shared it with you. It's called The Power of I Am by, I think that's the title of the book. Yes, The Power of I Am by a guy called Alan. Now, that is a purely metaphysical piece of literature. Now, this essentially is saying that, now, here's the way that's formulated. It says that whatever you say, after I am becomes your reality. Now that is not necessarily a Christian concept. That's just a metaphysical and positive psychological concept. So using the idea of I am also as God, but this is the idea of God, you know, some metaphysical aspect somewhere, not the God of the Bible, but their own sort of God identity. So it's whatever you say after I am becomes your reality. So when Methuselah described in terms says, I am a dead dog, or uh, the, I think was one of the psalms says, I am a worm and not a man, right? So essentially, whatever you say after I am, using I am now as the name of God, giving power to that confession becomes a reality. Now that has, it's a metaphysical statement. It also has psychological resonances. Because even your spiritual confession in the scriptures has got psychological resonances. Why? You know, it says, faith comes out. I hear it. By here, by here, by here. So every time you say those things about yourself, you're hearing yourself saying it, and then faith in your this night in your soul, faith in that statement, whether it's true or false, now becomes your reality. So these are the three things. So of course, then there's purely psychological. Purely psychological, which is the use of mantras, the use of proclamation, confession, use of affirmations. So remember a guy called Emil Kiwe. Emil Kiwe. I think it was in 18th century, 18th, 19th century. The, vo the volume, the volume needs to be a bit louder. Oh. Yeah. Oh, really? Uh, would that be me? That, that's on my phone, is it? Yeah. Uh, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Is it better now? Yeah, I think so, yes. Is it better? Okay, yes. Now, I was talking about, so remember I talked about the spiritual, Christian spiritual, talking about the metaphysical, now, talking about the purely psychological, there was a guy called Emil Kue. Emil, Emil C O U E, Kue, was a psychologist. And basically, his cure was when people come to him with any ailment, he would give them a, a prescription, a piece of paper. He said, Don't open it until you get home. When they open the thing, he's made a statement there. It says, Repeat the statement three times a day or as many times a day as possible. What was the statement? Every day, and in every way, I'm getting better and better. That's it. Every day and in every way, and so many cures, so many healings, quote unquote, if you like, were recorded by just that simple psychological state, that statement of affecting the psyche of the person. So these are those three ways to look at that stuff. So 
I know which you want to pursue. I tell you about the spiritual, Christian spiritual. Yes. I tell you about We're the going to start. Yeah. Yes. The Christian one, and the reason why the Christian one is so important is that sometimes um, it's a bit difficult. Sometimes, um, if I to, if I'm to use my own um, personal journey to yes. as an example, which you are aware of, yes. sometimes connecting. Um, I understand the concept of the biblical principles. I understand the concept of who we are in Christ. Yes. And but transitioning those truths to yes. the reality of what you are going through. Maybe okay, you are aware some traumatic experiences that has happened to one in time past. You want yes. to live above it, and you know what the word of God says about you. Sometimes yes. there seems to be a big gap where you know this is what you know the word of God says. This is your present reality. But you want to move out of that reality and allow the word of God to now become your own reality. And there seems yes. to be like a long tunnel, you know, between your current reality and the reality that you want to become, which is what the word of God yes. says. And sometimes that pathway can mm -hmm. actually um, become so difficult because the depth of struggles you have to go through sometimes you begin to wonder is it that you don't have faith is it that you are not doing enough is it that you are not being obedient is it that you are not applying i hope i hope you understand what i'm trying I'm to say as christians yes. now yes so that's why i'm concerned that i think it's better we look at it from the christian perspective because in church okay. people don't people are afraid to be vulnerable with their traumas People yes. are afraid to be vulnerable with their area of brokenness. Number one, yes. people will stigmatize you. They will label you. Sometimes you go through journeys of recovery and it's messy. The journey of recovery is messy, depending on the depth of your trauma. And sometimes we Christians, as we have good intentions, we want to help, but sometimes we tend to cause more damage to people so yeah. how do we now join in that pathway even though that pathway seems messy as believers well okay oh good as is that now is that that's good yeah you know the things that they get in, in for instance in your question there are yeah. too many assumptions too many presuppositions. okay so let's, okay. okay let me leave that aside but let's okay. let's let, i'll okay. come back to that maybe because of my talking okay. think about this, this way think about this way right i am a christian I am born again. I got a life yeah. of God in me. I got a life of Christ. All of that. I'm saved. I'm all of this wonderful things, right? Then something happens to me. So let's the extremely the most traumatizing thing about it. I'm raped. I am attacked. I'm assaulted, or whatever. It's some really traumatic, or whatever this thing. I get a divorce, or I, I, I whatever it is. Now the thing is this: that all of this has back to identity my sense of identity. Yeah. So I say I am a Christian. I am born again. I have the nature of Christ. I have the genes of God. I have the ability of God. I have the grace of God. I'm a child of God. Right? So this happens to me. Now, what happens? My mind is affected because suddenly this trauma has created, as it were, another sense of identity. 
another yeah. I did about myself. I am a dog. I am a, a victim. I am a red victim. I am a disgrace. I am a disappointment. I am ashamed. I am embarrassed. I, you know all those things? I am whatever those. Now, notice again that formulation. I am. I am. And that's it. So now, remember, all of this has nothing to do now with what would what did what. Or did yeah. Because whoever did what has done what we have done. I am now the one living with whatever the result of that in terms of the shifting of my psyche or my understanding. All right. So this is where we are. I'm in a thoroughly bad state. So somebody, so I now go to a council or, you know, issue comes up. Now, first of all, when I talk about some assumptions, right, I've been, I've been in church um, uh, over 80% of my life. I've been a Christian, right? And so that is, let me, let me put a number on it, actually. Let me put a number on it. I've been a Christian for uh, 44 years. I've been born again for four years. Now, I've lived my whole life as a Christian, lived in church, lived in church, lived in all those things. Um, I've been a minister teaching for 42 years, right? I've been a full-time pastor of that for uh, 32 years, all of that. Now, here's my point. Every time we have these conversations, there's always this assumption. If I come to church, they will, they will stigmatize me, they will despise me, they will look upon me, all of that. Now, here's the problem with that. Now, that may well be true, and that has been true in many instances. But that is not the definition of church and fellowship and what we're supposed no, to be. No. So the first, so the problem is once, so once we have that that thing in the back of our head, right? The last thing we're gonna want to do is to come to church, come to your pastor now. Your pastor, unfortunately, now, like I've said so often, the vast majority of us who are pastors are no longer pastors in that sense. We are, you know, bishops, we are CEOs, we are executives, we are preachers, we are teachers, but we're not pastors because the idea of a pastor is someone who nurtures your soul. In fact, the, the, the technical word for it is a pastor is a person who has a cure, C U R E of souls. That's actually the technical designation. A cure, C-U-R-E, of soul. The job of the pastor is to present a cure to your soul, to nurture you, and to pastor you. That's what it means to pastor a person. So part of it is guidance, part of it is counseling, part of it is prayer, part of it is that interaction that brings healing to your soul. Now, unfortunately, that is missing most of our churches. Right now, it's missing most of our churches. We don't have that. So that is a problem, right? But I'm saying that for me, the very first place to go, as far as I'm concerned, and you heard me say this over and over, is the church. And that's why I wanted to not, let's know who we're talking about, talking about Christians, or that it's the church, it's the pastor. And when I say the pastor, I don't mean some big man somewhere. I mean, in one church, you could have somebody called the pastor. You could have a hundred pastors, people who have that nurturing pastoral understanding insight right there in whatever local congregation you deal with. Hold that thought. Now, that said, we'll not come back to this whole thing. My psyche is damaged. Um, I am a victim. I am, I am, I am out of this. But remember, so you then come to me. So that's when you come to me for an answer. Well, all of that may well be true. Correction. All that may well be facts. Because they are facts. These things happen to you. This person raped you. That person abused you. That person insulted you. That person demeaned you. That person trampled upon you. That person, your father, you know, 
maltreated you, your mother abused you, your husband, your wife, whatever it is. Every one of those things true. Facts. They're true facts. But then you now say this person, but what is the truth about yourself? Okay. The truth about yourself in Christ. That's where we need to get to. Now, of course, you understand that in the midst of trauma and all of that, if that truth is not deeply embedded in your consciousness, the trauma, in fact, that's why it is called traumatizing. It drives it out. It totally drives it out. So then, so the question is, how do I make this transition? How do I, and which, and that was sort of beautifully put question, right? How do I make this transition between, I know these things, I know them something in my head. Obviously, I'm going through all of this because this thing has not been so deeply embedded in my psyche. Remember the story, okay, let me, remember the story I told you once of in 1996 when I did a, a job in England as a, a security guard. I didn't remember the story. Yeah, and so one morning, I'm, I'm checking the bags. I'm just doing an idea of how your own identity, yourself, you know who you are, affects the way you do with life. Yeah. That's, it's trivial. It's very small. I'm not suggesting it's traumatic like, compared to what we're dealing with. But I just want to illustrate the principle. So I'm setting this young girl's bag. And she begins to curse me. Effing this and effing that and effing and blinding and cursing and swearing. She's doing all of that. I guess, you know what I'm doing? I'm smiling. I'm smiling. I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm still smiling. The one thing I says, oh, thank you, miss. Have a good day. She tells me the F off <laughs> and goes away. I'm just smiling. My colleague, a young Scottish fellow, says to me, Andrew, why would you let her talk to you like that? So demeaning, abusing you because you are, you are, you know, a security guard, she thinks you can insult you. So I says, well, two things. One. She wasn't talking to me. She was talking to the uniform. Not me. And two, I'm not just a security guard. See that? You remember, again, I am a security guard. Then I become, that becomes that guy's definition. Now, because I know that I'm so much more than all of that, I'm not now held to that description. That's one. The second, of course, is when I said she was talking to the uniform, not me, what was I establishing? I was establishing a sense of my own identity. Now, because of who I am in Christ, to start with, now, because of who I am, even in myself, instead of my knowledge and my ability and my wisdom and my qualification and my, all of these things, I, I'm not defined by a young girl insulting me and calling me whatever name she's calling me. It doesn't affect me. Then I just said to this young man, I said, listen, by the time I close from work, and I put on my jacket, you know the epaulette, put on my jacket, take my briefcase into that girl's shop. What do you think is gonna happen? When she sees me, what's she gonna say? Morning, Sal, good afternoon. She's gonna say, good morning, sir. How can I serve you? Of course. Because again, what's she addressing? She's addressing the jacket. <laughs> because now we're in different jackets, you know, so listen, that's, that's how identity works. But remember, it starts from inside out. So when a person acts against me, my reaction actually is, is a function of my sense of myself. When a person abuses you, what are they doing? They're trying to reduce you to that level of abuse. But if already you have something on the inside that tells you you're different, you're not going to live your life as a victim. So we come to another matter. A, you don't have any sense of who you are anyway. So, oh. <laughs> or, or B, or B, 
you do have a sense of who you are in Christ, but that trauma has driven that. Right? So there we are. How do I deal with that? Yeah. So obviously, the person who doesn't have a sense of identity, I guess, basically, has got to be taken through a whole, so the whole counseling, the whole um, care, the whole pastoral care will be about building that sense of identity in Christ, taking your eyes away from the trauma or the traumatic event and focusing on who you are in the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Now, the person who actually had it and the thing was traumatized away, if you like, obviously, there's the question of death in there. You know, what God says about the, the, the water goes like a seed. It drops on some soil and then it grows quickly. And then, you know, when pressure comes, it's choked out. Exactly. The word is there. I know where I am in Christ. Then pressure comes, it chokes it out. That same person again, now you have to go another course of counseling, instruction, building up their sense of identity. In other words, the answer to trauma, right, is, is basically coming against that traumatic event with the light and the truth of your identity in Christ and staying with that activity until revelation comes. Revelation comes until that person actually gets it. For some people, it's a quick thing. For some, it's a long process. But nobody's to be judged for how long it takes, so long as they're in the program. My deal is, and you said it so, I'm so full of confidence, confident assurance in the word of God, right? That no matter how long it takes, here's what I understand, it will take. That word will work and shift that person, bring about the healing and the strengthening. And what does the Bible say? What's that prayer? That you be strengthened how? With might in your inner man by the Holy Ghost. That you be strong in the Lord and his power of his might. Now that is the strength you're talking about. The strength there is the word of God. It talks about that by the promise. I talk about 7,000 promises in the scriptures, over 7,000. It says, First Peter says that by these exceeding great and precious promises, what happens? You become a partaker of the divine nature. By these great and precious promises, you escape the corruption, the evil, let me add the trauma and the troubles and the trials and the temptations and the tribulations that are in this world through sin, whether your sin or someone else's sin. By so, applying that. Yes. So, so the second point yes. is the word of God. The second point is re-establishing your identity, re-establishing, re, re, re refurbishing, relaying, establishing your identity in Christ through the word of God. So that identity that tells you, for instance, that you can do all things through Christ who empowers you from within. Now, that's a statement we make, but then how many of us believe that truly? It says, I thank God always on my behalf for his unmerited favor and available power, which are available to me through the Lord Jesus Christ. I am strong in the Lord and the power of his might. I am strengthened with my, in my inner man by the Holy Ghost. When I'm strengthened with my, my inner man, nothing moves me. You know what I'm supposed to say? None of these things move me because I've got three things I've got the energy supplied by the Spirit, I've got the comfort. 
of the scriptures. I got the prayers of the saints. Okay, it sir. Comes back to that. Yeah. yeah, I need to ask the question here. Uh, please, please. For uh, lovely sisters that has joined us, please, if you have any question for our guest, kindly put it in the chat box, please. You are free to ask your questions or if you have any contribution. Now, my question is, how yes. do you deal with, it's like somebody that has a wound, as yes. you are cleaning the wound, you might experience pain. Yes. How do you deal with the pain that you go through in the process of uh, applying the word of God to those areas of trauma? Well, here's I hope the deal. you understand what I'm saying. You get the question, sir. My dear Tokumbo, here's the deal. It's not you might experience pain, you will experience pain. It goes with the territory. So, that even in the sort of in the metaphysical the psychological spectrum of it. There's something they call, um, they, they call chemicalization. In other words, if you're making a, a proclamation about a particular subject, as you begin to make this proclamation, all the negative aspects of that thing just begin to bombard you. It's like you come under some serious attack from all the negative thoughts opposing this your positive thought you're dealing with. It's all chemicalization. It's standard. So you're a Christian person, you're, you're hurt, you're wounded, now you want to you, you want to um, forgive, you want to release, you want to be healed, oh, you're going to go through pain. Because you're going to go through the pain of thinking, why should I forgive this person? Why should I let them go? That's all they did. They should be punished. Although, oh, it's going to happen. Let me give you a story. Somebody insulted me. I mean, it was bad. I'm just going to do something so bad to me. Now, when I approached them to sell the let's resolve the matter in a public place. The guy told me off and began to abuse me in a public place. Wow. And so I left that place. I was in Willowstone. I left that place and was going to London Bay. I was going to do something in London Bay. I mean, I was crying. I was shedding dollops of tears. Mm. Like, I mean, look at this. But then I didn't remember something I read from uh, Norman Vincent Pale. And uh, when he told uh, the power of, uh, not the power, but it was his book. Um, the power of positive well, thinking. The power of positive thinking, yes. It talks about forgiveness. It says that when you're wounded, you apply spiritual iodine to your wound. I said, and what spiritual iodine? So you know how iodine works. When you put iodine on a wound, what does it do? It stings, doesn't it? What spiritual iodine? It says spiritual iodine is to begin to bless that person. To begin to bless that person. Begin to bless that person. I remember. So I stood in the middle of London Bay. I missed my job. I missed other friends. I was so focused on I began to bless this fellow. I blessed him, blessed his wife, blessed his children, blessed his mother, blessed his father. I mean, I, I, I in the midst of all that blessing, I mean, I was young. My teeth were clenched. My feet was clenched. I, my, my muscle, my neck were, I mean, I was crying. I was, I you know, you know, there's a way you say, I bless you, that really, what you don't want to say is, I curse you, but you can't say it. Let me tell you something. It was like magic. I don't think I've done that thing up to a hundred times. It was as if something is, you know, like, you know, when, as if something like a, you know, like a metal thing around my head, holding my head in. As if something just broke the spiderwebs and took that thing off my head. That was it. That was it. 
I mean, that was it. Now, remember what I said, it's process. My process took maybe 20, 30, 40 minutes, right? Another person might take longer. But the deal is this, so coming back to the number of the matter, the deal is most times we do not start the process at all or we short circuit the process because we do not want to do the work. So, see, you have the word of faith, but you also have the work of faith. Okay. So that is a real issue. Can you imagine you can't a person you say to them, the Bible says, and then says to you, please don't quote the Bible to me. I don't need to hear the Bible now. What have they told you? They're not going to do the work. Because the answer is in those same scriptures that we're discussing. So again, it all comes back to what is our attitude towards scriptures? Why well, are we going to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, submit to his word, and do the work that is necessary for building up strength with might in our inner man by the Holy Spirit through the Holy Spirit? I did. I know a lady. I know a lady who she was diagnosed with cancer. Joel Osteen's mother. She was diagnosed with cancer. Went to all the treatment. Was terminal. You're gonna die. It's okay. So you went locked herself in a room and took healing scripture. I don't know how many she did. She was confessing the scriptures a thousand, two thousand times a day, every day. That's all she did. That became a job. She was doing the work of faith. I don't know how long it took, seven days, 20 days, a whole month, I don't know. She was totally healed. That was about 50 years ago. She's still alive. Or similar cancer. Another big time preacher here had the same condition. But he, if I didn't call it, but he did exactly the same thing. He went in there and took the scripture thousands and thousands of times every day. He was doing the work. The problem is, I'm afraid, my dear. Many of us are not prepared to do the work. So we, it's easy to blame someone because what we are looking for is not, is not um, we're looking for magic. We're looking for that person who's going to pray that abracadabra, alakazam prayer that will take all the pain away. It doesn't exist. If it exists, it's magic. If it happens maybe occasionally by the providence of God, we can let that happen. But most times we have to go through process. Process. Yeah. So two things. I think three things yes. really. Now, two major things. Number one, to know what the word of God says about you, which will be the anchor of your identity yes. for a believer, for a Christian. Yes. Then number two, you must be ready to do the work. One thing to have the word of faith, but the real thing to go through that part of um overcoming any form of trauma is applying yes. that word of faith to yes. that circumstances. And okay. stay with it until you get the uh what is it called? You healing, get the, the, the healing, the restoration that you are looking for. There are some questions that we posted on the on Facebook page when uh yes. we're talking about the program, and yes. it has to do with parenting and children, which I really want us yes. to talk All about. Right. Yes, right. because sometimes as parents if we have things in our life that we are not dealing with, there's a tendency yes. to pass the same thing to the children or yes. those unhealed wounds that has caused us to have a shift in some mindset, we might end yes. up passing faulty mindset to our yes. children. So this reality, how do parents, 
I, I, I hope it's not sound as if I'm repeating myself. Guard again, yeah. you know, passing their own damage, you know, goods that they are carrying onto their own children. Well, I mean, I, I guess it boils down to what we're talking about is, right? You got, you know, it's like when Paul was writing the Philemon, he said something. He says that the acknowledging of every good thing as enough in Christ Jesus will make the communication of our faith more effective. Effective, yeah. Right? Yes. So if you as a parent, it's essentially that's what it is. I mean, it's, you know, I remember saying at the meeting of when I was a pastor in England back in the day, as I passed this meeting, I said, look, here's my deal. My deal is that fundamentally, most pastors are fundamentally bad Christians. We do not eat what we serve. We do not practice what we preach. We do not internalize the word of God. The word of God, in other words, we're preaching out of a gift, not out of character. Now, that's the same thing that applies. So if you're a parent, you, you've had the, the, how do you say, your, your greatest gift to your children is to make sure you are healed. Mm-hmm. And that is your greatest gift to heal yourself. You know, I mean, this is what we say. So, so I see a lot of mothers almost on the beat their children to death. Now, listen, I've got me, I've got no issue with proper punishment. I am a true believer in the road of correction. Now, that's not necessarily a stick. That's really the fact of godly discipline. But whatever you want to, I'm a true believer in that. But here's the point most of our discipline comes out of our own wounds, not out of any desire to have a time. Right? So I'm irritable, I'm touchy, I'm angry, I'm vexed about something. And I basically, basically take out my frustrations in that time. Now, that, by the way, is my own definition of child abuse. If you beat a child out of frustration, you're abusing the child. No matter whether you're speaking to the child, you're beating the child, if you do it out of frustration, that is child abuse. That is done out of an, your own wounds that have not been healed. So the thing really is, parents heal themselves. Right? That is, that's the only answer to that, really. You got to see yourself. You got to know your own wounds. You got to know your own triggers. You know, and getting the scriptures and get healed. I mean, if you, I mean, I hear parents who talk to their children, abusing them, and how? I remember this many, many years ago. You know, when Sarah, Sarah was a toddler, wasn't able to two years old. My daughter Sarah, and you know, an older person came to us and said, "Yoba, or Daniel, Sarah, or Daniel." Ah, I mean, ballistic. I went ballistic. It was like, oh my God, what day? It was such an offense to my own spirit that you describe my child in those terms. No, uh-uh. no. And I put a stop to the middle. So it was like, idiot, you're stupid, you're this that we say to our children out of anger. That's where it starts. And of course, it's part of our, because that's what we do, we say to ourselves. Some of us will say that with our husbands, quarrel our wives, who abuse them and do all sorts of things. And the children see that. Oh no, so yes, you gotta clean up your act first. And I'm not saying I'm, I'm not saying obviously that we are perfect. All I'm saying is that at least you gotta be conscious and aware of the need to clean up your own act. Okay. And and get healed of your own wounds. So you take some of these lessons we're talking about today and apply them to yourself. And for those parents who listen and who have been abused towards their children, you need to repent. You repent before the Lord, then you go and apologize to that child. So I'm so sorry. You're not stupid, you're not an idiot, you're, and you know, all of those things. I'm so sorry. 
mommy was having a bad day, daddy was having a bad day, daddy was this, whatever it is. You need to repent in all that stuff. That's where it starts. Okay, so the greatest gift a parent can give to a child is for them yes. to be healed themselves. To be healed. Oh, oh, yes. yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. One more set of questions, and I think that'll be no, you don't you don't you don't you don't make that child a victim of your own of your own one. You can't you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't make that child, you can't. So you gotta be healed. You gotta be healed. You know, there's this book by a man called Henry Nowen. Henry Nowen, fantastic guy, right? Psychologist, a Catholic priest, wonderful man of God. But he wrote a book called The Wounded Healer. Read the book, wonderful book. You know what I said to myself? I said, actually, I don't want a wounded healer. I'm sorry. I don't want to go because no matter how hard the wounded healer tries, his wounds are going to show. I'd rather have a healed healer. I know when I read that, it helped me because I had to read other worship. Where your own wounds are they showing? You need to go to God to get yourself healed. And that's something that happens a daily process, actually. Because you look at something happens as a trigger. And you say, oh my God, um, I didn't pray about the first three here. Why? It's always a why. Yes. You just brought it out of my mouth. That's the next question yes. I want to ask. Yes. Self-awareness. You know, sometimes yes. we are carrying deep wounds and we are mm. not even aware. And it has so much wrapped itself around us. It's like it's become second nature. So we react yeah. to some life situations and you can't explain why, you know. So my question is, how can one, you know, uh, is it promote self-awareness? How can you? How will you know that certain things is because you have wounds that you are not dealing with? Okay, self-awareness oh, because I think that is a starting point. Brilliant question. So now let me tell you this: it's like it's like a tool now. Here's a tool. So if you go to First Corinthians thirteen, four to seven, calling the love chapter, isn't it? the love chapter. Now they talks about love. Agape love, the love of God. Now remember what agape love is. Romans 5, 5 says this, that the agape love of God has been shed abroad in your heart, if you're a Christian. Right? So you also know that if you're a Christian, Galatians 5 makes it clear that the love of God is embedded in your spirit. The fruit of the spirit is there. So you know it's there. You know that you're a love child of a love of God. So you know that already in Christ, you're a, a person of love. Okay, so hold that thought. That is the your your truth. That's your reality. Now, manifestation. So you then go to First Corinthians thirteen forty seven, and you tell look at all the descriptions of love. Not a definition; it's a description. There are sixteen of them. Now, those sixteen, when you attribute them like that, they are so broad that they cover every aspect. This and there's no aspect of human character, human behavior that are not reflected in this system. So. You now take those 16 as a confession, an affirmation, as an I am declaration. And begin to say concerning yourself that you are those 16. Now, here's what happens. When you say, I am patient, I am kind, of course you know. So as you're declaring those things, remember we're talking about awareness. As you're declaring those things, what happens is that God is working your heart to open your heart to show that you're not that. You're not patient. You're not kind. You're not gentle. You're not. It goes on the line. Love, 
trusts, love believes, love hopes the best. Love does not keep account of your wrongs. So, oh my God, I keep account of your wrongs? I got some of them forgiveness in my heart. So that is, now that is the process. If you like, call it that chemicalizing process, where as you're confessing these possible things, all your negative realities begin to come to the fore. It helps you create some awareness. Right. See, again, this is a it's a tool. I tell you, when the first time I did this thing, during 20, 25, 20 years ago, <laughs> I was shocked. You know, I it was just a test of, you know, okay, um, I, I love my wife. So let me test it. Let me test if I love my wife. So I put those 17, 16 things down there. And I out of the 16, I scored six. Six <laughs> over 16. Because when I said I love my wife, I was answering a, an emotional, sentimental this, this question. I was, not, I was not asking the real love question. Yes, all the time. And that's the way it goes. And all of this is not about marriage. It's basically, that is the profile of the character of a believer. Those 16 things are the nine fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5. Now, as you begin to pray those things, and declare those things, and study those things, and confess those things, your awareness of your own shortcomings is common, and I can ask God for help. Yeah, you know, it brings to mind, I remember, I don't know if you can remember, several years ago, I think it was in the, uh, was in the 90s or so, you actually the one that brought mm. you to my awareness, that yes. if anybody wants to hug me, I usually <laughs> Yes. Yes. I just turned my side. Yeah, I never right. allow right. anybody to hug me directly. Yes. And I was not even aware until one yes. day you just confronted me. I said, Come That's here, right. come here. Now give me a hug. And I was about to do the same thing. <laughs> and you said, You dare not, you know? And surprisingly, <laughs> even now, on, in some ways, some areas, mm. unconsciously, yes. I still do it, but it's far, far right. better I than. Better than you are, yes. So, yes. So that brings me to my next question. So, so when the role, the role relationships in our lives play in creating yes. awareness. Well, okay, you know, it, it's it's like this. You know, look, you know that I'm gonna answer that question this way. Um when you say the role relationship plays, it gives too much power to the other person. I don't want okay. to do that. Maybe that's not the way I wanted it. No, 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 no. That's a good. No, it's a good question. I'm gonna. I just want to. I, I want to create a sort of, uh, you know, sort of foundation. Of what I'm about to say, right? Okay. Look, people are going to behave the way they want to behave. You're going to have a friend who is actually a friend who generally loves you, who is going to be nasty to you, and catty to you, and say bad things about you. That is basically the nature of the race. Is like you know, you know, it's a following creation. So that's going to happen. There's no perfect relationship. There's no husband who's going to love you perfectly as best love the church. There's no wife who's going to submit you and finish your plans as under the law. There's no parent. There's no. There's nobody. So whatever relation you have is going to be flawed. They're going to affect you in one way or the other. Now, what you what you hope for, what you believe for, what you look out for is that when it comes to balance, unbalance is more positive, much more positive. Than negative. negative. But the reality is they're going to be negative. So the issue is not what they're going to be. Because think about it this way. If we focus on the negatives, guess what happens? We're not going to have any friends. Yeah. There'll be no relationship. Because everybody's going to be negative anyway. There's, so there's no relationship. Even you yourself, you will not even have an intra-personal relationship with yourself. 
Because even you yourself, sometimes you're not kind to yourself. In fact, when you think all those bad things about yourself, what are you doing? Yeah, you're being yourself. unkind. Okay. You're unkind yourself. When you're depressed, what's depression? Depression is turning hatred upon your own self. Upon your own self. So if that's, if we're going to look at it that way. You can't, you know, you might as well just commit, commit suicide. So the, it still comes back to the question. Me developing strength with might in the inner man by the Holy Spirit. Me being strong in the Lord, a power's mind. Me taking this word of identity and getting so established in my consciousness that, that you know, you know what Charles Spurgeon said about the word of God. He said he wants to preach the word and teach the word so much to his people. The word becomes so much a part of them that when they are awake and somebody wakes them up and cuts them, that the blood that comes in them will be like very bibling, very bibling, because that. Because that word has become flesh. That word has become their very life blood. Now, that is the only way you're going to get it. Where the word of who you are in Christ, the word of the new creation, who you are in Christ, who Christ is in you, your strength you have in the Lord, whatever word has become certain integral part of your being, your consciousness, that now it doesn't matter what anybody does. Put hold that thought. Now to the question. Relationships play a huge role in your life, and we talk about parent and child. You know, it's like, we, it's not a joke, really. Like, you think about it, a man gets married to a woman, because she's wonderful, she's great, you know, all of that. Five years later, he <laughs> says that she's a, she's a witch, she's a devil, she's horrible, she's this, and so he says, a boss, what happened? When you married her, she was wonderful, she was great, she was this. So between them and this time, the only person who was acted upon her after that is you. <laughs> so is it possible that <laughs> exactly? So it is you now that has basically turned her into this witch, this harrigan, this fish one. You've done it. It is you, boss. You've got to own it and say yes. You see what I'm saying here? That's our relationship with that. A woman marries a man is wonderful, is gentle, is kind, is nice, is generous, all of these things. Then 10 years later, she says, he's a bully, he beats me up, he doesn't, and what happened? Because this man, we've known him all these years, you. Ooh. <laughs> Internet. Okay. I don't know if our participants are, okay, all right, he's back. What happened? We say, I'm sorry, you cannot choose your, you cannot choose your family members you can choose your friends, the who you can choose. So you, right? And then, of course, like we said, there's no friend yet that's perfect. But you got to choose your friends anyway. So if you are conscious of that, that's going to help you. What is, I mean, Jim Rohn was talking about this. He said, um, you know, in relationships, there's some people you engage with fully, obviously. The others you have limited engagements with. And there's some you can really talk from. Right? So if a person is, in relationship is closely toxic and painful and not productive and all of that, and it's something you can obviously use a husband and wife. You cannot, you cannot disengage from them. Obviously, you cannot cut them off. You, with them, you probably have limited engagement, which is a sad thing. But that's some of our relationships. But you, you disengage because you make those value judgments. But for me, the primary thing is not so much the other person. The primary thing it's is you. you. Yes. All right. So, so really, my takeaway um, journey to healing overcoming uh internal brokenness god's way yes. number one yes. you base your identity on god's word yes. and then you do the work of faith 
You yes. have the word of faith, which is what God has said about you. The work yes. of faith is to keep applying those words to your area of need until, yes. until you get healing. And the third thing that you have said is that even in relationship, you still you are still the one that is responsible. Yes. For yeah, for the state of your health. And then yes. talking about parent, the greatest gift we can give to our children is for us to get healing for areas in our life that we have experienced uh, brokenness. Okay. So I don't know whether uh, um, our guest, those that have joined us, they have any contribution or they have any question for our guest before we round up. And I don't know whether he has any other thing to say. Yes, I want to just take some confessions, just read some declarations. Okay. All right. Okay. Then any questions or should I just go ahead? No, no, there's none here at the moment. Okay. okay. So over to you. So now, you know, of course, you know, I have books and books and books and books of confessions, declarations of emotions. Because I it's my belief that the easiest way, the most effective way to get the word of God into your spirit, to build the word of God into your consciousness is by proclaiming the word, proclaiming the scripture. So what I've done is, now, I have a whole book. I'm not, there's no time to read the whole book. Maybe one or two pages. These are all scriptures. These are all, thank you, Dal Nexus. These are all scriptures that, you know, have been written as proclamations. And like Derek Prince teaches, you do your proclamations, you take them three times a day, do like medicine, three times a day after meals. <laughs> Something like this. That's a one way of basically building up your, your country and your soul. I'm a person of faith and strong belief. My faith comes by my constantly hearing the word of God. Every time I hear the word of God read, spoken, or I think about it, I get this specific message that affects me and my circumstances for the better. The word of faith is always near me. The word of faith is a part of me. It is in my mouth and in my heart. Because of its proximity, I preach, teach, and talk about it all the time. The Lord is a safe dwelling place for me. Is a refuge in times of trouble. I know his name. I am his child. I bear his seal upon my forehead. I put my trust in him. He has not forsaken me. He will not forsake me as I trust and seek him. I do not put my confidence in any man. I do not put my confidence in princes and those in authority. All my trust, faith, confidence, and hope are rooted in God. God's way is perfect. His word has been tried, tested, and found to be sufficiently resilient to uphold me. He is my shield, he is my buckler, he is the one that holds me up. He's all of these things to me and more. Ah, because I trust in him. I am like Mount Zion. I cannot be moved, removed, or shaken by any storm that comes my way. I trust God. I am stable, I am unshakable, I am immovable, I am unstoppable, I abide forever because my roots are in him. God is my helper. All the assistance I know comes from him. He made heaven and earth, so I am sure he can look after me. He will not allow me to be dislodged from the place where he's established me. He is my keeper. He is my protector. He is my guide. He is my guardian. He is my mentor. He executes his functions responsibly and does not sleep on duty. He neither slumbers nor sleeps. The Lord is with me. I'm gonna, let me just run over this stuff. The Lord is with me. The Lord will not fail me. The Lord will not forsake me. I am not afraid. I am full of faith. I am not dismayed. I am greatly encouraged. 
I arise early in the morning to awaken the dawn and greet it with joy and songs of praise. The Lord is my shepherd, my pastor, my mentor, and my friend. I do not lack any good thing. I am fully provided for in my spirit, soul, and body. I have all the love I need. I have all the approval I need. I'm accepted in the beloved. I have all the acceptance I need, all the approval I need. I have all the respect I need. I have all the power I need, all power has been given unto me. I have all the wisdom I need. I have all the knowledge I need. I have all the money I need. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. Hallelujah. Wow. So much more, but you know, <laughs> that is so powerful. Honestly, yeah. the I am. Honesty is so powerful. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you. It's a, it's a privilege to uh, share this time with you. And I just want to encourage our viewers or those that watch the video later. I know healing is available in Christ Jesus. Yes. It is certain. I have experienced it in my personal life. And I know that it does not matter the depth of brokenness that has come your way. If you can go through the processes that has been shared today, healing is assured. It might take a while. It might not, you know, the kind of strength you want might not come just overnight. But as you keep applying the word of God, as you keep applying the word of God, healing comes. And if you're listening and you have not yet given your life to Jesus, no matter where you are, I can assure you, God loves you and God wants to help you. He says, come unto me, all ye that labor and ever laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus gives rest. He gives rest to the weary. He gives rest to the downtrodden. So if you are yes. there, if you have not given your life to Jesus, you are suffering under the weight of trauma, traumatic Mokabango. event have more or less Mokabango. incapacitated you. Jesus is asking Mokabango. you to come. He says, come. And he says, him that cometh unto me, I will not cast down. He has come yes. to bring healing. So open your heart to him and Mokabango. let him love you. Jesus, allow Jesus into your heart and let yes. him love you let him you know yes, i open your heart and let him show you how much he cares yes. about you there yes, is Lord. healing and if you are okay. out there you are going through a journey of healing we speak yes, healing Lord. unto your soul the name of jesus the area name of jesus. any area that is broken we speak healing in the name of jesus no matter what it is healing from rape Healing from divorce, healing from child abuse, healing from rejection, from abandonment. We speak healing in the name of Jesus and we ask that you experience the healing that God gives in Jesus' name. Over to you, sir. Would you like to round up with prayers and declaration? I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus. I declare actually, it says, dare to dream, hold on to your dreams, prepare your dreams, wear your dreams. Share your dreams and pray with all other people. God is helping you to repair your dreams wherever they've been broken. God Amen. is seeing you wherever you've been wounded. Amen. The Lord your God is with you. The Lord your God is with you. He will not fail you. He will not give up on you. He will Amen. not forsake you. 
Amen. you will finish your tasks. You Amen. will fulfill your destiny. You Amen. will accomplish divine purpose on the earth in the name of Jesus. You will discover all that you have and all that you are and all that you're called to do. And if you discover it, you will carry and do it and bring it to fruition in the name of Amen. Jesus. You Amen. will serve God. You will serve his church. You will serve the world. You're Amen. strong in the Lord, the power of his mind. You're strengthened with might in your inner man by the Amen. Holy Ghost. The Amen. joy of the Lord is truly your strength. Every Amen. broken place, every crooked place, he's made every crooked place straight. He's brought Amen. down every mountain. He leveled every valley, filled up every valley, made a straight path even to of healing in your life in the name of Jesus. Amen. The Lord bless you. The Lord empower you to prosper in, in your spirit and your soul. In your Amen. mind, in Amen. your will, in your emotions, in your Amen. intellect, in your Amen. body, in your marriage, in your ministry, in your finances, in your relationships. The Lord empower you to prosper in the mighty name of Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord God forever. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you, Sister Elizabeth. Thank you, Sister Amani. I can see you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank God. Bless you, God. Bless you there. <laughs> Thank you. Thank Very you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much, Thank you. Okay. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.